Good morning. The lights are bright today. I thought about wearing sunglasses, but I didn't want you to think I was hungover. So. One of Corny's jokes. So. How many are gift givers? You love to give gifts. Okay. How many of you wrap them in newspaper? Do we have any lazy wrappers? Oh, there's a trash bag. Here it goes. How many of you, when you give it, love to give a good gift, are thoughtful about the gift you select? You go through an intentional process of who's going to receive it, why you're giving it to them. Does the anticipation and excitement build as you get closer to watching yourself give that to them? All right. And how many of you, when you give that gift, it is wrapped intentionally in a wonderful way, creased in all the right places. You can't even see the tape because you're a magician wrapper. Anybody? I mean, you know you've done a good job when the people don't want to wreck the paper. So you go through all this intentionality. You go through this process of selecting the right gift. Some of you make the gift, which is, a, which is a more vulnerable thing sometimes because you're putting your heart out there and you give them the gift and you're taking all the information you know about that person. You put all that time and energy and effort and you hand it to them and they give you that wonderful. And how do you feel? <sighs> Not what you were looking for. Not the response. Not the reaction. Is it deflating? The worst ones, they go, oh, this is amazing. And then they exchange it. (laughs) Does it happen to anybody? We're in a portion of Romans where uh, as we're walking through the tensions of life and allowing Romans to kind of navigate us because the, the church in Rome and then the culture of Rome is not dissimilar to our current culture today. And we're going to hear words as we did last week in Sharon's wonderful message on what are we becoming. That we're going to hear the word exchange quite a bit in the verses to follow. And we heard it last week that we exchange the glory of God for something we've made. Now, the whole purpose that Paul illustrates here is how we reject God and we exchange, like the gift. The exchange itself is a rejection. Because even though it's a metaphor, look at how, how much energy people put into exchanging things. Now, when you look the day after Christmas or two days after Christmas and you go to Kohl's or someplace like that, what is longer, the purchase line or the exchange line? Yeah, you're there for hours. People go through a lot to exchange something. Now, I get it. There's things that don't fit right or this or that. I get that. But that doesn't help my point this morning. (laughs) But when you don't like what was given to you, we can go through a lot to exchange it. And for the gift giver that has put all the effort and all the time, that feels like rejection. This is what God experiences from us. And this is not a guilt trip, this is just a fact. We reject God on a daily basis, in some way, shape, or form. We take what he's given us, and we exchange it. And when we exchange it, we have rejected him. 
That's what Paul's talking about. And this morning, we're going to hit this phrase that we've hit a little bit, but we're going to hit more diligently this morning, is that because of that exchange, because of that rejection, God being the loving God he is, but one that disciplines, he's therefore, because we've exchanged the goodness and the glory of God for things that we've made, he now therefore gives us over to what we think we want, which in many ways is the wrath of God at work. Because he's like, fine. Fine. I'm no longer going to sit here. Now, this is a very patient God we have, by the way. I'm not going to sit here and try to diligently convince you or talk you out of it if you've made up your mind. So, fine. And how does that feel when you get to indulge in what you think you want when it's contrary to the gift that God has given you? How do you feel? Tell me. Rotten. Do you feel a sense of loneliness even in, when you're surrounded by people? Which says community is only really community the way it's supposed to be if God is, is fueling your heart. But we can reject so easily that which is good because we think we want something else. And so Paul uh, is going to address this in some of the most challenging verses we'll see in, the, in Scripture, but that's based off where our culture is today. And and challenging because Paul is going to, um, in the weeks to come, as we'll talk, because this will take weeks to flesh out, not just the verses today, but the remainder of chapter one. So it might, we might go till Christmas. Yay. <laughs> but he's going to list all the different things that God has given us over to, meaning the things that we wanted. He says, fine, you can have them, but you're not going to like it. He's going to list and talk about the things that we exchange, the good gift of his glory and who he is in our lives for the things we think we want. And we're going to see some of those things. And some of those things are going to poke and prod at your heart. Some of those things might seem not, like not a big deal to you. Others might. But it's where we got to go. We have to learn to navigate these things. And so I want to start uh, from where uh, the verse Sharon started with last week. Verse 22 of chapter 1 in Romans. And if you have your Bibles, take them out. Word of God is non-negotiable to engage, so you want to make sure you have your Bibles with you. And then we're going to go through verse uh, 25, but we are going to stay in verse 24 and hit 25 next week. So here we go. Although people, this is man, claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged... There's that word, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made by us to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, the cause and effect, because of this, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. And what did he give them over to you? to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and who worshiped and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity and the degrading of their bodies with one another. Now, we can look at this and we can go... Ooh, a sex talk. 
That's how we can look at it. And is that part of it? Absolutely. But it's sexual misdeeds with and the degrading of our what? Our bodies. And Scripture tells us our bodies are the what? The temple of God. Where he dwells. A holy place. See, in Christ, we are given freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the consequence of sin, which is death. Eternal death. We are given a freedom. And we've exchanged that freedom for our own version And this is what Paul is addressing, and we see it all over the place. We see it all over in our culture today, and we make excuses for it. We do. We try to justify it based off our understanding of what our freedom is. See, see, Paul is addressing people that have rejected God, and those who have rejected God have rejected the freedom that he gives us. And in doing so, we have now had to replace that with our own version. And when we do that, we don't have a place to stand. We just keep going down this spiral. And sometimes we have to be at the other end of that to realize we went down the spiral and we go, oh my gosh, that was miserable. Because you can be so close to it at the time, you don't have the perspective that you need. And so really, there's a war of freedom here. It is a big thing in our culture today, is it not? That word freedom. We're free to say whatever we want, yet we don't think whether we should. We're free to do whatever we want and we don't think whether we should. But because we have the freedom, we do whatever we want. Now, Paul says he addresses this very issue of freedom in Galatians 5, verse 13. And I want to read that to you this morning. So you can understand, one, Paul's no dummy. He knows what the human excuse is and the human justification. And he says this in verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. We were. We are. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Serve. You're free, and now it calls us to serve. Does that make sense? To serve one another in love. The law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Do we feel that tension today? Paul is saying, don't take your freedom, don't exchange it for something else and keep on sinning because you're going to miss it. And, what, and guess what the enemy does? He takes what's most precious to us, which is our bodies. Correct me if I'm wrong. We go to the ends of the earth to make sure that our bodies are safe, that the bodies of the people around us that encase the very spirit of who we are and the spirit of God in our lives is safe. And when we are given over to our own sense of freedom, we will take that and we will take what's sacred to God and then we'll begin to desecrate it. Now, this is harsh. It sounds harsh, but it's real. I don't mean to be harsh, but it's real. We have to call out what is real. If you look in the world today, we have no boundaries on sexual expression, the expression of our bodies but we call it freedom. It's expressing ourselves. Look, sex is good within the condition of what God has made it to be. And our bodies are meant to honor God. They're a living sacrifice to God. But we have taken that 
And we have taken the freedom that he's given us and we have desecrated it because we've rejected and exchanged the glory of God. See what happens with the glory of God? It is the weight of God. That's what it means in Greek. The very weight of God on your life. How many have experienced God's glory in your life? You can feel it on you. I've had times where it's put me to the ground and I can't get up because the glory of God is so heavy. But you you know what it also does? It exposes the things in your life And you begin to see with clarity, and that's where the real choice begins. I can respond in a way that I won't hide his glory in my life any longer. I will step into it so I can say, as Paul said, I, Brendan, am a slave to Christ. I am a slave to Christ. I have taken my freedom and decide to serve. Not to warp the word freedom and make it something other than it's not. When we do that, we begin to desecrate that which is holy, that which is holy. What he wants to build up and minister to and speak to. I am guilty of this. I've had sexual temptation in my life all over the place. I've wrestled it. I want to surrender it. I want to surrender those things because it's not real freedom. In the moment of temptation, you go, I have the freedom to choose what I want. And you do, and you regret it right after. And then we do it again and again. Because it's much easier. And then it builds an unhealthy sense of entitlement. And now we can no longer see what is God and what is not. And then even those of us in the church will begin to make a case for the sinful things and try to make them holy when they're not holy. Look, the next several weeks, we're going to have to call out what Scripture says is out of bounds and come to grips with that, whether you agree with it or not. If you believe in Jesus Christ, the reason why is because it's the testimony of this word. You can't pick and choose. We can't pick and choose what we want. We have to deal with the tension. I don't necessarily agree with everything I read, but that's because I'm reading it through my own interpretation and my own experience. I have to allow God to lead me through to see what I do not see because I'm always looking through limited resources if I am not allowing the Holy Spirit to direct me in how I engage, not read, engage scripture. So we'll hit things in our culture. We'll hit certain parts of sexual expression, certain things of how we gossip, wickedness, murder, all these different things. And we may go, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Fine, you don't have to. But we do have to engage it. So we don't exchange We don't exchange the freedom that God has given us that was paid at the highest price for a cheap knockoff. Because then we begin to degrade that which God has made holy. The temple in which he dwells. Because I'll tell you, it's not just about the sexual things, but what comes out of your mouth, the gossip, the slander, those things still desecrate the temple because that's if the church started saying terrible things, well, which we do sometimes, but... That is what it's known for. This is supposed to be sacred, yet we're saying terrible things that still affect the people around us. It's still desecrating that which is holy. So whether it's sexual, whether it's something that you say with your words or something you do in deceit, it doesn't matter. It is all in the same ball field. It misses the mark of what God has in the freedom of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. If it's out of bounds, it's out of bounds. And we can't afford to sensationalize things. We have to see it for what it is. And if we don't like it, that's just tough. But we still have to deal with it because all of us are here because we agree with Paul saying, I am a slave of Jesus Christ.
I don't want to talk about some of this stuff, but we have to because it's at our front door. And who is going to model it if not the people that carry the light within them? You, we can't do it otherwise, but we have to. We have to show what it means to, okay, I may not necessarily agree with this, but I'm allowed God to work it into me. Because it's not about whether it's right or wrong. It's about the treatment normally. Well, we don't understand this sin and how people carry this, but we condemn them. Well, that's not the right. Or we condone it. The real issue is not so much whether it's right or wrong. Sometimes, some of the things we hear, it's more of the treatment that happens. How do we respond to these people? How do we love people? How do we love ourselves? I mean, there are sins in my life, and I go, I look in the mirror, and I go, man, how do I get up and talk? How do I love someone and tell them about Jesus when I don't even know how to receive it myself? We all deal with this. Every single one of us sitting here deals with some sin in our life. So we can't say you're in or you're out. That's why we can't judge. It's not because we shouldn't. We really can't. Because we have our own stuff. So how can we How can we righteously judge another person? You can't. Only Jesus can do that. So we have to let him do that so that we can work on receiving him more and more and more to be cleansed of the things that really rob us, things that we exchange. I dropped all my papers. I don't like clutter, sorry. But it's hard, is it not? You know how hard it is? Those of you who are parents or have watched children and had to be part of the disciplinary process to say, step back and go, okay, and watch them hurt themselves or watch them make bad choices. And I can only imagine when your kids are grown and you don't have any more say than what you poured into their life until that moment. And you have to go, I'm here if you need me, but you can't force yourself on them. You have to allow them to make their decisions. Sometimes we can look at God and, well, you didn't give me this. You didn't give me that. Oh, there's suffering in my life. Oh, and I'm going to blame you. You're the scapegoat because I think you can take it. Do you know how grieved he is? It's not about guilt. It's about perspective. Do you know how grieved he is to have to go, "Ah, he doesn't want that for us. That's why we say the, one of the best things we can do is say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Man, when my kids go ask me a question because they really want to know, it's the greatest thing. Not because I have the answer, but because there's intimacy and interaction and proximity happening. When you say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? You are inviting him in. He no longer has to go, well, therefore, I'm going to give you over. You're with me. We say the word with all the time here. With, with, with. When we exchange and reject, we no longer can say with because we're not with him. And the only way that we are going to navigate life is with him. The only way we're going to experience blessing and freedom the way it was meant, the way God had designed it, the reason why Jesus came to die and raise again is to be with him. And then we fight for the wrong things. Well, it's my body. I can do what I want. Well, it's my life. I can do No, it's not. If you said yes to Jesus Christ, it was bought at a price. And you said, Lord, it's yours. We need to make up our mind. Are we his or are we not? Because the tennis match 
is putting a crook in my neck. One of the things my daughter is learning is how to drive her brother crazy. And she's, she'll, give, she'll give him what she calls her buddies. It's her stuffed animals. And she'll give Emmett, who's two years old, you know, and he's just like this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, cutie kid who knows it, and sweet as can be. And she goes, here, Emmett, I want to give you this. But if you do this, I'm going to take it away. And then she goes, no, you can't have it now. And she takes it away. And then five minutes later, she gives it back. And this poor kid is going, is this mine? Is this not mine? Is this mine? Is this not mine? Is this mine? Is this not mine? And then finally, he just loses it and he starts crying. And I'm going, why are you crying? Don't cry over that. Oh, you're teasing him. Oh, you're saying yes, no, yes, no, yes. It's It's insanity. Yeah. And God knows all things, but he's sitting here watching us go, uh, yeah, I'm yours, just kidding. Yeah, I'm yours, just kidding. Yeah, I'm yours, just kidding. Oh, my goodness. Does that give you a little perspective on how we are? And we look at these kids, when will they mature? And we do the same thing on a cosmic level. That's what we do. We're going to have our days, folks. We are. And God's grace, we need to mention this because it's what sustains us. Because we don't have it right, and we'll never have it right completely this side of heaven. But that being said, grace covers that so that we can engage, not so that we can indulge ourselves in our own sense of freedom, but so that we can continue to not walk in shame, but conviction. Okay, I failed here. I can move forward. Because we want to, as scripture says, be transformed daily with ever-increasing glory. To continue to exchange the things that separate us from him for him. To surrender those things on a daily basis. Because we do have to decide, are we his or are we not? Because if we don't know who we belong to, how are we going to hit these things? Someone tell me? Because the verses and the chapters are just going to get harder. (laughs) That's why we've taken our time in this process. Because we can't rush this. This is not a sermon series. This is life application. This is relationship, period. And we have to take that seriously. And taking that seriously, we've got to keep it simple. You can't, anyone hear about this big boxing match that happened last night? Anybody? Between a MMA fighter and one of the best boxers of all time, and it's been this big hoopla, a lot of trash talk. You're just going, oh my gosh, where's our world going? And the boxer is Floyd Mayweather Jr., one of the best ever, and he's 49-0. and 0. Well, now he's 50-0. and 0. Spoiler. Um <laughs> And the guy, the MMA champion who was fighting is this Irish, proud Irishman and all this stuff. But at 40 years old, this guy still took this guy in his prime to task because of basics. He didn't abandon, as much as I don't care for the individual's behavior, he didn't abandon the basics. See, as Christians, we have to cling to the simplicity of who God is. 
He is for us. He is with us. We stay with him. That is a basic principle of life with Jesus. If we leave that, we can't navigate this stuff. And then we begin to exchange what is good, what is glorious, what is righteous for a temple that is now desecrated by our own stupid decisions based off our own inadequate understanding of freedom. So we will preach the simplicity of Christ till there's no longer breath in our lungs because you cannot move on without it. It fuels and gives life to everything else that seems religiously and spiritually fancy and cool. You don't have the spiritual gifts without the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ and being and uniting with him. You don't. So we can talk about the gifts, but if we talk about the gifts, the absence of the very presence of God fueling the fruit of those gifts, it doesn't matter. We have to stick with him. The simplicity of that, because there's too many complications out there. And I've said it before, I'm not smart enough to navigate all those things without the simplicity of Jesus Christ. I need everything spelled out in crayon or in reverse. That's why I love reading the Toys R Us sign. Big, bright letters with R in reverse. Jesus doesn't want you to be dumbfounded and not knowing what to do. He makes it clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. Stay with me. Walk with me. Remember, it started with a walk in the garden. That's how it started. Is this landing? Are you with me? Okay. So here's the hard part. We have to surrender our opinions, surrender our wants and desires, and say, Lord, what do you want to say? And maybe it's in alignment. Maybe it's not. But it's a way that we come under his lordship. Lord, what do you want to say about the things that we're going to engage? What do you want to say? Let's worship Lay our lives down Tell him that he 